I'm Charles Lee. And I'm Elise Kovic. And this is the Grok Science Show. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Nancy O'Dell and Dr. Patricia Cook will join us to discuss ADD without drugs. So you're going to stay tuned for all that, plus the Grokatron 5000 is coming right up here on the Grok Science Show. Science Show. Well, attention deficit disorder and uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder are major concerns for parents raising their children. However, the typical approaches to dealing with these conditions involve potent medications. Is there a way to address ADD and ADHD without medication? Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Nancy O'Dell and Dr. Patricia Cook. Dr. O'Dell and Cook founded and co-directed the Miriam Bender Achievement Center and the BUILD program at the University of Indianapolis. Together, they have penned the new book, A Breakthrough Answer to the Real Cause of ADD, ADHD Behaviors, and they join us today to talk about this really fascinating topic. Dr. Cook, Dr. O'Dell, thank you very much for joining us today on the Rocks Science Show. Thank you. Thank you. We're very happy to be here. Well, certainly our pleasure, and this is really a uh, fascinating new book, uh, talking about ADD without drugs. I'm curious if maybe you can tell us a little bit about the typical or conventional views of ADD and, and its treatments. Well, ADD and ADHD are generally diagnosed through a collection of behavioral symptoms. It's not anything you can take a blood test for. Children or adults, it's always diagnosed primarily because of certain behaviors that they are exhibiting, such as having trouble sitting still, having trouble paying attention. Writing is usually very difficult for them. Uh, They have trouble um, uh, being organized. They frequently, as adults, have extreme difficulty with organizational skills. And these kinds of behaviors are ones that you can imagine will just cause all kinds of difficulties with children in school. Uh, Adults can get up and move around pretty much whenever they want to. They can hopefully hire secretaries to uh, do their organization and the writing for them, but children don't have those kinds of assets to utilize when they're going to elementary school. And so they get into trouble, not really bad trouble, but the teacher is constantly saying, uh, get in your seat, sit down, sit still, uh, get to work, uh, quit uh, uh, talking to your neighbors, and those kinds of things. Many of these children are classified as hyperactive or, again, learning disabled when we think that it is this reflex program that we will be happy to tell you and your listeners about that doesn't require drugs to correct and and it isn't real, quote-unquote, neurological hyperactivity, which is good news. Is there a large percentage of those people who are considered to have neurological ADD uh, that have a different root cause for the condition? Yes. Well, the, it's been estimated, well, let, let us tell you, if, if we may, just a little bit about this reflex. The reflex is called the symmetric tonic neck reflex, and it's one that everybody has if you go through normal development. You're not born with it. It develops when a child is between four and six months old, and th- this reflex is what uh, enables a baby to get up off of its stomach into a crawling position. 
and we have to have the reflex working for us to get up off of our belly so that we can crawl because what it does is it straightens the arms and straightens the neck and bends the knees and bends the hips all at the same time to get us up off of our stomachs. But you don't want to go through life every time you straighten your arms, your knees bend. And so what most babies used to do, and and some still do, naturally, is that once they get up into that, we call it a, a cat sit. If you think of a cat sitting down and looking at you, that's pretty much the position this reflex pulls babies up into. They, they start to rock back and forth, and then they eventually start to crawl. And crawling is what matures or integrates this reflex so that the reflex, the symmetric tonic neck reflex, uh, we call it the STNR for short, so that it's no longer controlling the child's body. And babies have to crawl at least six months, and they have to crawl extensively during that time and properly, or this reflex will still remain at an interfering level and and really cause a great deal of difficulty when the child gets to school. Now, in the mid-90s, the pediatricians in the country, um, justifiably, were concerned about SIDS, the Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, and so they began a program with a very clever title. They called it the Back to Sleep and they encouraged, almost mandated, if people, uh, parents went to them, uh, putting babies on their backs, especially when they were going to sleep. And happily, the incidence of SIDS has dramatically dropped, but the medical profession didn't seem to realize that if children are not put on their stomachs, when we can monitor them during the day a lot, then they don't crawl, this reflex stays very strong, and they seem to have forgotten. In fact, some uh, there are a couple of textbooks, we, we were just uh, horrified when we read it, that say that crawling is no longer uh, a developmental step. It has been for 5,000 years, but all at once they're saying, no, 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 you don't want children with SIDS, which is true, but if you don't let the children be on their stomach some so they will get up in the rocking position so they will learn to crawl, they will have this reflex, which makes life extremely uncomfortable for them. That's a big mouthful, we know. So what is the uh, manifestation of this reflex then later in development? Well, the behaviors for the reflex at an interfering level, uh, amazingly enough, are the same behaviors for ADD and ADHD. Hmm. And it's having difficulty sitting still. It's having difficulty writing, having difficulty paying attention. These children frequently are they're very slow to develop athletic skills. Sometimes they are so poorly coordinated that they really avoid athletics after their few feeble attempts to be successful. They, they, they're so bad at it that they, they can't be successful. Uh, occasionally we'll get children who have this reflex at an interfering level who, in spite of it, are pretty good athletically, but they usually have to work extra hard at it and or they will gravitate towards certain sports and avoid others because the reflex, what it does is it makes your arms want to be straight when your legs are bent and vice versa. If your legs are straight, then it makes your arms want to bend. And so there are certain positions and certain sports you can play like that and be pretty good, but they're not really totally well-coordinated. Well, and, and that becomes really tricky then because the parents will say, well, this can be a, a motor problem, a coordination problem, because my youngster does this or does that. He swims really beautifully, and we've learned to say, well, we bet we know what stroke he swims. And again, if you think, what can you do that is 
okay if your your upper part is going one direction and the lower part of your body is going the other. Well, there are certain swimming strokes, and you can probably think of some of them offhand, where a youngster can do that. So it, it, it throws people off, and they say, well, it can't be a coordination problem then, when the basis of it is. And, and m- many of these children, what happens is because writing, uh, as you remember, in elementary school is such a major part of the first several grades where you're learning to write, and it is so difficult for these children to sit still and keep their arms bent and keep their legs bent all at the same time because the reflex wants one end of the body to be straight when the other end is bent. And so these children will try to stand up at their desks. They're usually working when they're standing there, but teachers frequently don't want the children to stand, or they'll stand with one knee in the chair trying to, to stay close to their desk. And, but again, that means that they're standing, or they'll wrap their, their feet around their chair legs, which locks them in, but they're still not comfortable. The it, riding is just really difficult. And they stick their legs, one of the worst, well, best for them, but worst for teachers' uh, positions is to have your legs stuck straight out in front of you. And adults frequently will tell us that, as Dr. Odell said, while they are allowed to do certain things, they don't want to go to movies because they have to sit on the end, or if they go to the opera, they want to sit on the end so they can stick their feet out in front of them. Let me elaborate just to give you a couple of examples on the, uh, the sports thing I mentioned. Uh, my husband coached basketball, and I think back now, this has been a while, but these kinds of kids who have this reflex bothering them uh, can shoot a set shot beautifully. You know, they get set and they get their legs bent and so their arms can extend, but they couldn't shoot a jump shot to save them. And of course, we didn't know about this back when he was coaching, and I keep thinking back on some of those. We had a youngster who was an excellent fielder in, in Little League, and we thought, well, that, that doesn't make sense if he can run and catch and bend his knees, but he would drop to the ground to catch the ball, and his dad kept trying to tell him to stop because he said, you're showboating. That was the only way he could he could lock himself in and catch the ball. So it's, it's a tricky thing. They can work ten times harder, is what some of the research shows, and have things look pretty good. But think about one page of writing in, what, fourth grade, fifth grade. That's like ten pages. And then we wonder sometimes why some of the very bright ones will say, forget it, I'm not going to do that, or else they will just work their tails off. Hmm. So it seems like the loss of like training of this STNR, as you, as you put it, leads to a lot of uh, the conditions that are similar to AD and ADHD. What are, the, uh, what are the potential cures or treatments for this? Well, Dr. Miriam Bender is the one who discovered the educational implications. Mm-hmm. She didn't discover the reflex. It's been in the anatomy book for years. But she discovered the educational implications if this reflex is still at an interfering level, and which is when it makes it so hard for children to sit still and makes it hard for them to write and to pay attention. And she designed very specific physical crawling exercises that will actually fix, we say it fixes the problem. It matures the reflex. It integrates the reflex. It, it, it eliminates these ADD, ADHD behaviors. And since that's essentially what ADD, ADHD is diagnosed on, is behaviors, if you eliminate those behaviors, then in effect you've eliminated the problem. And the the exercises take about 15 minutes a day, five days a week. The program lasts an average of eight months. Some people need to be on it a little longer than that, but it still is just 15 minutes a day, five days a week for about eight months. And 
our program is such it that it takes care of it. Right, it takes care of it, and we we guarantee that if you do the program correctly, that there will be significant improvement. And people always say, well, what's your percentage of improvement? And we say, whatever their problems are, if you do the program as we di- uh, describe it and want you to do it, that there will always be significant improvement. Always. And we've been doing this program now for over 30 years, and with that kind of a guarantee, nobody has ever asked for his or her money back that's come to our clinic because they always significantly improve if they complete the program. When Dr. Bender was a physical therapist, and she was in the Air Force, and this is why it fits so well into your program with your listeners, because with her background in PT, she saw this reflex interaction as educators. Dr. Adele and I were there getting our degrees at the time under her as, as our mentor, and we saw, perhaps even more than she did, the educational ramifications. It just makes life so much easier. We keep saying these kids can't sit still. They can, but they have to spend so much time and effort that they don't get anything else, they don't get much else done. They are so uncomfortable, Mm. and that's what her program took care of. There have always been children and adults with this problem because if you inherit your hair color, your, your eye color, your bone structure, your musculature, you're also going to inherit your reflexes. And so there have always been some children, and you can think back again in your schooling, you know there were kids that were bad kids, but they were constantly being told to sit down and to, to get to work and get back to work and so forth. And I might have been one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and some of these children are very, very bright, and you were probably one of those too. And if they work really hard, they can do well. But we don't think that you should have to work ten times harder than everybody else, or at least if you do work ten times harder, you ought to get ten times the amount of benefit. And these kids are just working ten times harder to keep their heads above water. We have parents, one of them gave a wonderful example or a name for it. They called it the homework wars. Hmm. And, again, their youngster had an IQ. We had tested him for that, an IQ of 155, which is in Hmm. the superior range. Very, very bright youngster. Uh, came to doing a spelling test. He had traditionally failed spelling, because, for the, partly because he just wouldn't do it. I gave him the paper, and I said, well, we're going to do a little spelling test. Now, and he handed it back, and he said, I don't do spelling. And I was thinking about there used to be an old commercial, I don't do windows. And we tried everything. I said, you grade it, I'll grade it, we'll throw it away. And he finally said, now here's a youngster with a superior intellect, he finally said, give me an F, and let's just get on with it. Uh, it had been so difficult for him, he just didn't want to bother with it. Other kids will stay up until 1 o'clock in the morning or as long as their parents will allow them, grinding out the work on this. And those are some pretty good clues. How does one tell, then, if you have the STNR relative to sort of more classic ADD, ADHD? Well, again, uh, we'd rather that, you, that, that the listeners would start thinking of them as the same thing, mm-hmm. really, because this reflex is the major contributing factor in at least 75% of the cases that are classified as ADD, ADHD. Now, we don't say that it causes every single case of ADD, ADHD, but it is the major contributing factor in at least 75% of them. And all the other factors, if you put them together, if you lump them together, they don't cause, at the most, 25% of the cases. Hmm. The, the medications that prescribed 
frequently can help alleviate some of the symptoms. It, it does not work in every case. In some cases, the uh, negative side effects are so bad that even if it was alleviating some symptom, it wasn't worth the negative side effects. And try to keep in mind that all medications have negative side effects. Otherwise, they wouldn't require a prescription. So our program, our calling program, doesn't have any negative side effects. And about half of the children who come to the clinic are on medication when they come, and the parents want to get them off. The other half are not on, and the parents want to keep them off. And by the time they finish the Bender STNR crawling program, they're almost all of them completely off medication. The, the parents have taken them off the medication, working with their MDs, and sometimes just kind of doing it on their own, weaning the children off of it, and the children are functioning better off of the medication after they've completed the crawling than they were on the medication, and they're having no negative side effects. We don't ever say in our book or on our program or on our website, we don't ever say don't even consider medication. We do say, for heaven's sake, consider it last. Try some of these other things that are out there. Try this. Again, 75% of the time, this is going to be helpful if it doesn't. And, and we were very careful with the word cure. It corrects. It matures this reflex, and that takes care of a lot of these problems. If you know somebody who, that you know for a fact did not crawl for at least six months, or if they didn't crawl properly, then we can guarantee you this reflex is at an interfering level, regardless of whether there's uh, any other diagnosis or not. You have to crawl at least six months, and you have to crawl a lot during that time, and you have to crawl properly. Now, people say, well, what's proper crawling. Well, it's easier to tell you what's not proper crawling. Uh, children that uh, do what we call an army crawl, where their stomach's on the ground and they're pulling themselves with their forearms, that's, that doesn't count as proper crawling. If they're doing a, a funny little camel walk where their hands are on the ground, but their feet are on the ground, not their knees, and their, their bottom's up in the air, that doesn't count. If they sit on their bottoms and scoot across the floor, that doesn't count. If they, these, these kids are really funny. The kids that roll, have you ever seen kids that roll? They get really good at it, and they can roll around corners, but that doesn't count as proper crawling. A major one is if they walk early. Right, if they walk early. And a lot of parents, uh, understandably, and this is true too in certain areas, think if their children do things early, that means they're intelligent, and it, it frequently does. If they talk early, of course, Einstein didn't talk till he was three, but there are always exceptions. But for heaven's sakes, we say don't put your fingers in theirs and say, come on, let's walk, let's walk early, let's get up on it. We, we just, again, um, cringe when we see that. We want them to crawl. We want them to crawl for at least six months, so at least don't, and some of them won't. Some of these children will get up and start walking, and we don't want you to, clip them in the you know, back of the knees and knock them down, but don't encourage them. Don't put them in playpens more than they have to be. Get them out of walkers. We'd like to see oh. walkers thrown away. Yeah, get rid of the walkers and these saucers and, and even the little um, swing things. That the, the babies enjoy it, and you know where they are, but if their activity is prohibitive, they're not going to crawl. If they're always on their backs and they're never on their stomachs, they're not going to crawl, we and had they've a, got to crawl. We had a family of, I think there were five or six older children when this baby was born, and they, older children lovingly, 
carried that baby around until he was able to walk. They put him down and he started to walk. Well, you hardly want to deny the love and, and warmth that that child got, but he missed a developmental step. So, again, they need to crawl so your, your listeners can be listening. If they're adults, uh, they can be analyzing how do I sit still? Can I, uh, uh, can I go to a movie and stay through it? Can I sit through dinner without sitting on my legs? And with the children, all these other things we've told you are things you can analyze. But the exciting news is that we can we absolutely can correct this problem. Now, the children have to be at least five years old before they can do the exercises that Dr. Bender designed. But the really interesting thing is that there's no age that's too old to benefit from it. So far, the oldest person that was our client was... 77 years old, and she was a very active, vibrant, intelligent woman who said she was really tired of being uncomfortable. And her daughter-in-law did the exercises with her, and it really made a significant improvement in the quality of, of her life. So we've got our book out, but the really exciting news is that now we have our website, and we've got two young managers who have put our entire program on our web so that we can reach everybody. It's at least 10% of the total population that's bothered by this reflex. So in our country alone, that's at least 30 million people who would be much more comfortable and have a much happier life if they were to do these crawling exercises to mature the reflex as children and adults. 10% of the total population. Mm-hmm. Wow. In home. It, it is very fascinating. Uh, unfortunately, we are running slightly out of time. Quick close and a word. If people do want to find out more about this, uh, where can they go? Sure. Uh, they can check our, our website. It's stoppingadhd.com. Again, that's stoppingadhd.com. And that's our website. Uh, we also have a clinic in Indianapolis, the Miriam Bender Achievement Center. All right. Well, and of course, your new book is A Breakthrough Answer to the Real Cause of ADD, ADHD Behaviors. Uh, Dr. Adele, Dr. Cook, thank you very much for your time and a very fascinating discussion. Thank Thank you you very much. We really appreciate it. All right. You're just listening to Dr. Nancy Adele and Dr. Patricia Cook. They're talking about their new book, A Breakthrough Answer to the Real Cause of ADD, ADHD. This is the Grok Science Show. We'll be back. Time to play the game. It's the Grokatron 5000. It's our supercomputer, formerly known as Deep Blue. And today the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic ADD or not. So for the following five people, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know whether you think they uh, might have ADD or not, and maybe a quick little reason why. Dr. Adele, Dr. Cook, you ready to play the game? We're We're ready. ready. We're ready. Hello, ladies. How are you? Brett Favre, ADD or not? (laughs) <laughs> He's talking about football. Yeah. <laughs> I can barely pronounce his name. So. <laughs> well, he, he's really very well coordinated. Um, <laughs> and he, we won't go too far. And he's off the, um, he, he, his, his body structure must be made out of, I don't know. He, he we think in football, no. Feeding okay. <laughs> and keep on ticking, you know. But I don't think I don't think he's ADD. All right, <laughs> that's probably good news for him. Uh, number two, the Donald Donald Trump. Oh goodness. Well, um, now that's a good question. He's a good golfer. My son has played golf with him, and I was very oh. impressed. Right. Um, 
He is a little. He's an entrepreneur. Yeah, he's an entrepreneur. He's a little hyper. And um, Tommy doesn't sit still very much. I've, I've watched his uh, Celebrity Apprentice show, but I can't <laughs> see how he sits. They don't ever show what he what he's doing with his feet. If he wraps his feet around his chair leg, then I'd say yes, he's probably got this reflex. Hmm. So I, I'm not sure. I've not seen I've not seen what he does with his feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does. He can wear his hair any way he wants, as much right. money as he makes. So we won't go there. Either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number three, Justin Bieber. Um, the Biebs. Boy, boy, that's a good question. I've not seen him sit at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and he's pretty active also. But that I mean, you can be active and not be hyperactive. Right. It's it's how much you're in control as opposed to how much the activity's in control. Right. So I I I'd I have think he's to, probably in control. I'd have to um, say I I don't know. But I don't know about Justin. <laughs> okay. okay. What about this guy? I'm curious. Mel Gibson. Oh, oh. goodness. Well. I, yes, I bet you anything he's got this reflex. And, and I'm really serious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just certain that he, and I'll tell you another one I'm just sure has it is Robin Williams. I don't know if you're oh, going to ask. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I really yeah, agree yeah. there. But again, you don't always have to be hyper, but. But Mel, if you I just watch some of his movies he makes, he does not sit still. Yeah. Uh, in in his movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, it could be that he might be a little drunk and just trying to stay on that chair of his. Um, <laughs> if that helps or not, we won't go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Now our final Gracatron question: Rom Emanuel. Oh, I can't begin to tell you what I think uh, is wrong. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> she didn't mean what's wrong with him. She means what his behavior indicates. Ah. Well, a little Freudian slip there. Uh, again, it's um, <laughs> when you have individuals that, that are, how do we say it, they're kind of difficult to get along with. Do, do you know what I mean? They're, they may be really nice one-on-one, uh, -on -one, but their personalities can be pretty abrasive. You may have known people like that. Mm-hmm. We're saying that, that that's this person. Well, he, I think they said the White House was glad when he yeah. moved on. But, <laughs> He's got uh, a bit anyway. of a temper and a potty mouth, I hear. Yes, that's what I heard that, too. Um, <laughs> when you have individuals who have either very rigid behavior and or they just are really difficult to get along with, frequently you can either have it can be the rigidity is probably this STNR reflex because it. It makes causes rigidity in their body. It also can cause rigidity in their personality. Hmm. Sometimes it can also be uh, low blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so Rahm Emanuel may just need a cookie. <laughs> right. And if they're, Wouldn't that be if, they're really pleasant, <laughs> if they're really pleasant one minute and then they just seem to go kind of berserk another, that's frequently that's low, blood, low, low blood, blood sugar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that's so another whole, what whole we do, program. What, what we do when we want to get along with somebody that's difficult to get along with, first of all, you don't ever try to talk to them sitting down. You get them to stand up because they'll be much more receptive to anything you have to say. And then you, then feed, you, them. A cup of <laughs> you feed them something. So you feed them and take them for a walk. <laughs> that's what my dog's like. <laughs> <laughs> Not too bad, though. Mm -mm. <laughs> Those are great questions. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, Dr. Odell, Dr. Cook, thank you very much for sitting around playing our game. It was quite a pleasure to talk to the both of you. When we're, when we're sued, if you come visit us, we'll appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> They'll come and get us first. Right. Don't worry about it. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Have a nice holiday. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. uh, This has been the Grok Science Show. I've been your host, Charles Lee. And I'm Elise Kovic. Be back in two weeks. See us on the web, www.groks.net. Science at groks.net is our email. And we're on Facebook and Twitter. Have a great afternoon.